0: To get the latest news as well as fun bonuses, be sure to sign up for my weekly herbal newsletter. Okay, grab your cup of tea. Let's dive in. I'm delighted to have finally had the chance to sit down with Margie Flint. I connected with Margie many years ago at an international herb symposium in Massachusetts, and I've wanted to have her on the show for a while now. In this episode, she shares a delectable recipe for burdock and also shares about an herbal elder and legend, William LaSacier. For those of you who don't know her already, Margie Flint owns and operates Earthsong Herbals in Marblehead, Massachusetts. Her filters of wisdom include over 20 years of labor coaching, certification in polarity therapy and Reiki, and 40 plus years of herbal practice. She is on staff at Pacific Rim College in British Columbia. She has been caught lecturing at numerous amazing schools like Bastyr University, Tufts Medical School, and the Massachusetts College of Pharmacy. She's the author of The Practicing Herbalist. The plants and her clients are her revered teachers. She's retired from active practice, focusing now on teaching and learning how to
1: play. Well, Margie, welcome to the show. I couldn't be happier. I admire you so much. And, you know, it's like goddess energy, East Coast, West Coast, let's get together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I kind of can't believe it's been this long of having the show and you not being on. But I just want to tell everybody, I have been asking you for a while. So it wasn't, you know, (laughs) I'm just saying, (laughs) I'm really glad you're finally here. It wasn't an oversight on my part is what I'm saying.
1: Well, but
0: these things happen in perfect timing. I'm not laying blame, Margie. I'm just saying now it's perfect timing (laughs) and we get to be together (laughs) and I'm very excited for it. And I'd love to begin by hearing about Margie's plant path and what has brought you to us today.
1: Okay. So of course, the plants are always in control. My mom said when I was a little girl, I used to pick up herbs from the driveway (laughs) <laughs> gravel driveway and there was pineapple weed everywhere and I mm. used to pick it up and force feed people so according to my mom I was always an herbalist and you know really it wasn't until 1974 that I recognized the path and I was young then I was 22 no 24 and hmm I'm not sure I want to tell. Well, okay. So I was 24 and was told I had a tumor in my pituitary gland and that I had probably a year and a half to live. So I didn't tell anyone. And I, you know, left my abusive husband and (laughs) changed my life completely. And part of the change was Rick Scalzo had the first Gaia Herb Symposium near the college, I went back to college and as an artist and just kind of fell into this herbal community. And when I went to Gaia, I walked onto the 4-H grounds and looked around at all these beautiful people. And it was it was as though I had reconnected with my tribe. So I went back to college And I went to art school and basically went dancing every night, worked in the studio all day and drank a lot of Jack Daniels. (laughs) So I don't know, maybe I killed it with poison. So, but I did a lot of things. I did yoga, supplements, found a spiritual path, you know, basically I became a deeper person and the plants just took over my life i mean Mm. they you know i went to the gaia herb symposium and met rosemary gladstar and david winston the same conference wow and you know felt like i was with my people and you know my heart was just so expanded with comfortableness having met this wonderful gathering of people and And I remember just sobbing at the end, like I didn't want to leave and I have, (laughs) (laughs) you know, herbs will have their way. And I do think I, when I was teaching apprentice programs, I love to watch the, every new person come in and then watch how the herbs would mold and shape and move and shift people's energy in and out of, you know, this relationship or that, or, Whatever focus, because you know, the herbs are so ancient and wise, and we're little toddlers that don't really know what we're doing, obviously.
0: <laughs> mm, that's so true. I'm reading Braiding Sweetgrass right now. Oh, by Robin Kimmerer for I think it's my seventh time, but I'm doing it for a book club. And we just read, not that it's only in one chapter, but there's one chapter where she very much talks about that. And there, plants being our teachers, because we are so young and have
1: so much to learn. We do. Yeah. yeah. I do like the, the thought from return of the ancestors where the wisdom keepers at the end of 10 days of gathering said, well, you know, humans have taken the wrong path for so many years, but now coming into this new age, we have the opportunity to choose our next path consciously because enough people have regained conscious you know higher higher focus is is needed and and there are enough people who are really wanting a more rich and delicious life in the sense of richness being experiencing connection and love and appreciation for plants and each other and food and
0: Everything, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, beautifully said, Margie. So n- that was 1974 that mm-hmm. you went to the Gaia Earth Symposium, is that right? Yep. And I'd love to hear a few highlights, you know, since then of like how, for people who don't know you, you know, what have you done in terms of like, I mean, I'm, I'm trying not to be too leading since I know what yeah. it is, but <laughs> <laughs> tell us a little about your herbal life, Margie. Yeah,
1: a little bit about, well, um, I. You know, I am not a goal setter. I never could quite do that part, but I was a listener. I I try to hear what people are saying when I'm led in a direction. For instance, Rosemary Gladstar called me one time and, and said, oh, Margie, uh, I'm gonna send you my overflow of students for my apprentice program, because I have so many, and I thought I'd just send them along your way, and I said, I'm not ready to teach Rosemary. I'm just beginning. I'm I'm just a beginner. And she goes, ha ha ha. ha." Well, I've already done it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's that kind of thing, you know, where, um, you know, well, Rosemary gets so much credit for leading so many of us in the right direction, but she also is the one that, you know, I was teaching a clinical advanced thing at her place at Sage and she said, Well, could you bring along um a little handout? I don't know, maybe 24 pages on how to start a practice. And that was the beginning of my book.
0: Hmm, which is now
1: in the fourth edition, you know. Hmm. <laughs> it's like it only took nine years to write it. But I think if all of us listen to the synchronicity messages that come our way. The greater energy of the world is supportive, if we can follow the direction. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, if we pay attention and listen. Yeah, you know. yeah. Well, were there some synchronicities that led you to choose burdock for today's plant?
1: <laughs> well, it's the most delicious recipe. That was really the incentive. Was oh, you know, everybody sends you know healing. This, that, and the other thing. And it's like, well, let's have fun and have a dinner party. (laughs) uh, Let's get to wear our finery and have candlelight and a beautiful burdock recipe that has, you know, an orange brandy sauce. And, you know, just something more, a little more elegant and fun.
0: Mm, I love that. So for people who haven't heard yet, the title of this recipe is Burdock in a Formal Dress. Fancy dinner patties with a brandied <laughs> orange sauce, which I, I just, I love this. And like you said, we're, we're going to be elegant and sophisticated, have a dinner party with burdock, which is kind of funny to think about because some people consider it a weed. While it is revered as a vegetable, some people do consider it a weed. But I love this from you because we have had some, at least one very amazing dinner together, which is like, well, I will remember
1: that dinner for the rest of my life. So I know you know food and I know you a foodie. I do my good food and thank God you do too. You know, it's like anyone wants to share a meal with me, let's go.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So, so the recipe really jumped out for you for choosing burdock. And I'm guessing it's a plant that you must love too.
1: Yeah, I don't, I think during my years of practice, I don't think anyone ever left without at least one liver herb. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can you get better with anything without a liver herb? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's delicious. Mm
0: Yeah. Yeah. The liver herb as a kind of a mainstay of the clinical practice is definitely a classical, classical approach in many different modalities. Cause I learned it, you know, through a more Chinese focused modality the first time. So it, yeah, it exists a lot. Yeah. So apart from the recipe, how do you like to work with burdock both, you know, medicinally for, it seems like pleasure is a big one because it is delicious. Yeah. Tell me more.
1: Martin. So when I, see a person you have to figure out their dosha first really for compliance so if you know who's sitting in front of you you know how you need to approach giving them herbs because if you give them the wrong like if you try to get a vata person to take herbs five times a day they'll never do that Hmm. but you know because vatas are irregular and they they're not as attached to eating a meal as a kapha person So a kapha person, you have to appeal to their gastronomical delights in order to have them take anything. Hmm. And then pitta people, you just have to be smarter than them. So, (laughs) (laughs) or make them think you are. But burdock, everybody needs burdock. I don't know of a single dosha that would not benefit from having burdock. Even if it's just the little antenna on the sushi, you know, if you get a caterpillar roll, the little mm-hmm. antennae are burdock.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Gobo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gobo, yes.
0: Yeah. So why is that to you that every everybody can benefit from burdock?
1: Well, everybody has a liver. And the liver processes all your blood and hormones. And it's so important for your basic being. It's like the root of you. And... If your root isn't healthy, you're not going to be healthy. Mm -hmm. So if you need to process food better in any way, and goodness knows the world we're living in, we're assaulted with all kinds of pesticides and fertilizers, even if we're organic, you know, stuff gets in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so a little extra burdock, you know, liver love is wonderful. Good name would be liver love.
0: Liver love. Yeah, yeah. So for your burdock is kind of like a like an answer to today's modern problems, common problems and issues. And
1: And even the olden days problems. I mean, I think I think burdock has been used through all time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a basic food. Mm -hmm. And when we're in that category of herbs as food, you can eat them abundantly. I mean I've never heard of anyone overdosing on burdock.
0: Hmm. You don't, so for <laughs> I can be kind of sensitive to eating too much of it if it's a lot just like gas wise because uh, you know the so high in inulin kind of like Jerusalem artichokes in a way, you know it can be
1: Yeah. Jerusalem artichokes definitely have that effect on me as Annie McIntyre says, it gives you that blast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But you're right in that it definitely is eaten abundantly and is absolutely
1: a food. And you don't need need a lot of burdock to have a lot of good effect.
0: Hmm. That was my next question is apart from food, how do you like to work with it?
1: I often have it in tea combinations, you Mm. know, like chicory and burdock and some roasted dandelion root, that sort of, you know, breakfast beverage that's rich and dark looking. There Mm -hmm. is no stuff substitute for coffee. I hate when people say that.
0: (laughs) Spoken like a true coffee lover.
1: (laughs) Hello, my name is Margie.
0: (laughs) How much do you love harvesting your own burdock?
1: I have harvested my own. I prefer to harvest it if it's grown in a barrel. Mm. You know, because it's easier. You just knock the stays out of the barrel and you know, chop it off at the ground and it'll grow back another one. But, you know, I live in Marblehead and marble is the key word here. There's (laughs) there's granite everywhere. So it's not easy to dig deep in the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, I tend to use a screwdriver that's about a foot long to like get my way around there. So, you know, I frequently just go to Whole Foods and buy it there
0: yeah that's a good tip about the screwdriver (laughs) but i was kind of asking sarcastically because i feel like i only needed to harvest wild burdock a couple times before i felt like all right i've done this and yeah there's other ways now to do this yeah in terms of growing it you know like you said in a barrel or in something that you can easily get to the bottom of it because yeah it's a lot of work i mean it's not uncommon that you could spend an hour unearthing a burdock root in a very. It's a good
1: exercise. Good
0: exercise. Beginning
1: herbalists, everyone should have to.
0: Everyone, yes.
1: Big burdock and yellow duck.
0: And probably no doubt that wild harvested growing in those tough soils. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it had a little bit more medicinal quality to it. Oh, I'm
1: sure it does.
0: Realistically, yeah, I'm going to get it at the store too. And I'm grateful that we can.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So you like it a lot, kind of like as a decoction, I'm guessing with the the yeah. roasted, other roasted roots. And do you like it as a tincture much? Do you use it like that?
1: I have, you know, I've, I'll often have it in formula with uh-huh. other herbs because as I said, I usually have bird, you know, one liver herb will go into almost every formula I have. Uh-huh. So I have, I have tincture made and I have herb made, but I think I probably use it more as a decoction.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. I like it that way as well. Mm-hmm. And I think you can get kind of a good dosage in with the decoction or food.
1: Yeah. And when you make the burdock patties, you know, you're you're simmering the burdock and you set that water aside and drink it as tea while you're cooking. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Will you will you talk about this recipe a little bit? Maybe walk us through <laughs> how it's made. Give people not- a heads up
1: not in front of me right now but you basically cut your burdock root at diagonals so that's sort of the macrobiotic correct way to cut burdock and I always do thinner slices so it'll cook a little bit faster Mm -hmm. and I simmer with the lid ajar in water until the burdock becomes soft and then when it's soft I've I strain it, set the tea aside, and drink it. (laughs) And um, if I don't want to drink it all, I'll make ice cubes. And then I have burdock whenever I want it. Hmm. And it's good to toss into other meals. And and then I take the cooked, decocted burdock and use a food processor and mix it with a, a minced onion or whatever else. I mean, you can literally add anything you want in there you could add flavorings that were appealing to you. But I like the taste of burdock. Uh-huh. So, I, so I have onions, and then I mix it up with an egg and some breadcrumbs of choice, depending on whether you can either even tolerate breadcrumbs. But some people use panko, and some people use sourdough, and some people use, like, coconut chips instead of... Flour, but you need something that's going to bind it together and sometimes I'll even I don't think I wrote this down but sometimes I'll add a teaspoon of mushroom powder mm. I love I love mushroom harvest and I might put in a little maitake or not too much though just a little bit adds a little immune boost and then I Shape I might even add a little bit of olive oil because it it does help bind it and My daughter gave me an air fryer. (laughs) I don't know if this is very PC these days, but I don't really care so it's (laughs) I Take my shaped patty and I'll place it in the air fryer And if they don't stay together very easily you can put them on a piece of parchment paper in the Mm. air fryer, and then just let them sit in there and cook for about six minutes at around 400 and or you can saute them on the stove in some ghee or butter olive oil whatever you want and at the same time i'm making the sauce recipe
0: Mm. which is, is the brandied orange
1: sauce yeah it's like concentrated orange juice so it's frozen organic orange juice with brandy and some orange zest and i just zest the whole orange you know i love zest and i add the zest last so that it still still has that orange flavor and the zest of citrus fruits are anti-cancerous as well so that's great and i can't remember what else is in there So then you have your patties and your sauce and you've made your vegetables and you put your patty on the plate and put the sauce around it. And and then I'll have, I might not use orange slices, but maybe clementine slices or tangerine slices. So there's a little raw decoration, like a flower Mm. going around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fancy.
0: I can't wait to come over, Margie. This sounds really
1: good. You're waiting for me to get here. Your bed awaits you.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love my bed at your house. I can't wait. (laughs) Well, that sounds absolutely delightful. Thank you so much for sharing this recipe with us. And for the listeners, you can download your copy of this beautifully illustrated recipe at HerbsWithRosaliePodcast.com. And I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks about this because it sounds absolutely delicious and I can't wait to try it myself
1: yes we're and i'm open to improvements
0: all right we hear different variations <laughs> yeah. oh, do you have anything else to share about burdock margie
1: no i think that's plenty
0: all right well i'd love to hear what projects you have going on and i'm especially excited because well i'm both excited and sad you're headed to my neck of the woods and i'm not gonna be here oh no yeah but tell us about it
1: Okay. Well, I am headed to Spokane, Washington for the Four Seasons Herbal Gathering or Group. It's a, I think they're somehow associated with Herbalists Without Borders. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a two day intensive on reading the body. And reading the body is what I learned from William LaSaussier, who was my mentor and many people's mentor. And the teacher, really the primary, I would say he's the herbalist who influenced the most herbalists in the 20th century. Hmm. And he did die about 20 years ago. And his daughter reached out to me months ago and asked if I would publish his unpublished books. Uh He was a perfectionist Uh and absolutely brilliant. I mean, he as this material is uncovered, there are aspects of him I had no idea about. Wow. I mean, he was really a Renaissance man and beyond. He really, I think, channeled information in like a funnel into his head. <laughs> mm. And then he would teach us. And most herbalists who, of my age anyway, will say he was a huge influence in their life and mm. so he's you know his works have never been printed and so the work arrived so i said yes to ona i will publish the the work and it's a massive project which requires a lot of volunteer work <laughs> so i <laughs> I need lots of people who are able to either transcribe from type or can listen and write from audio tapes. I have two videotapes of when he taught for me, um, one on palpation and one on the visual indications, which is what my book is based on. And so we need all kinds of help with this. And it's about a three-year project, which is which is short, but, you know, I think there are about eight books. Wow. So
0: that's going to be such a treasure.
1: It's so exciting. As soon as I said I'm retiring and not seeing clients anymore, that's when this happened. It's like, wow. oh, you're going to work for the rest of your life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Margie, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about reading The Body, because I think there's a lot of people who might not understand mm-hmm. exactly what that means.
1: Okay. Every line you have, every color you have on your face, every blemish, you know, something comes or goes, or part of your nose changes shape, or your cheeks become hollow, you have a line that's, you know, deep and puffing over or little lines here, everything has meaning and, and indicates which organ is being affected to create that line so as william would say your face is an open book of your interior history Mm -hmm. which is you know it's a blessing and a curse because it's a blessing you can help people any client that comes to you you can look at them and realize what's really going on you don't even have to ask questions Hmm. (laughs) I can look at their tongue, their face, and their fingernails, I could probably write down what they need. And it's a curse because you know everything about everybody's medical condition. Just saying hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it shaves years off working with somebody. You can, you can get to the heart of the issue so much quicker and so much more efficiently if you're able to read what is, who is sitting in front of you and, and uh, which of their organs is needing a little assistance. Mm-hmm. And
0: so you're teaching that, you said a two-day class, that's October 28th and 29th in Spokane, mm-hmm. Washington. Yeah. And then you're also going to be at Pacific Rim College in British Columbia, November 4th and 5th.
1: Yep. Same
0: class. Same class. Okay. And you're stopping in at Bastier in Seattle as well. Yeah.
1: In the middle, I'll I'll Wednesday evening I'll do a little lecture for uh, Marty at the bookstore at Bastier. I love him. And so that'll just be very quick. You maybe an hour long lecture on generalities, Mm. and do a book signing and and hang out with the Bastierites.
0: Lovely, and your book, *The Practicing Herbalist*, with which is in its fourth edition, is a lot about reading the body, and a lot about your own work through this, as well as what you've learned from William LaSassee.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. it has the book is really the intention of it was to help help practitioners set up an office and practice, and just give them sort of the tips that i wish i had had when i was a new herbalist you know how to physically set up your office what skills do you need accounting and bookkeeping and a little bit on amino acids and enzymes and coenzymes and i tell a lot of stories i believe in storytelling Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's the best way i learn so i talk about the some of the work I did with people, clients with cancer or uh, Lyme disease. And I bring in the perspective of other practitioners because mm-hmm. I do believe in in being well-rounded. You know, I don't know everything, but I do have friends that are really clever who are better at maybe seeing the path of Lyme spirochete or different types of cancers. And I think it's important as practitioners that we keep our minds open and see that there are many ways to practice and and take in the parts that feel good in your own heart.
0: Mm. No, that's so true, Margie. I've actually been reflecting on that a lot lately of just how we all have different perspectives of seeing different patterns and mm. and how much stronger we all are when we are open to seeing those different perspectives
1: from different people. Yes, and being nice to each other.
0: Yes, and being nice to each other. Absolutely. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about that too. <laughs> well, Margie, the last question for season 10, in part you've already answered, and that is who have you learned from apart from the plants? And I was hoping you talk about William Lassassier a bit. He died just as I was becoming an herbalist and starting that path, so I never had the chance to study with him. I'm kind of curious, like, what was it like? You know, did he... He's such a, you know, for people who don't know him, it might just be a new name. But for those of us, there's quite the legend around him. And I'm wondering, like, you know, he taught at herb conferences. How did you find out about him? How did you study with him? What was it like to study with him? Tell us about the legend, Margie.
1: I'll I'll tell you how I met him and then I'll go back. Okay. So I met him later in life, in his life and I met him at Green Nations gathering and sat in on one class with him and it was mind-blowing. I mean, I don't know if you've ever sat with one teacher and you just feel like everything they say enters into your cells and becomes one with you. And so I went to every single class he offered. And I remember one, Evening, we were all hanging around, and he took my foot in his hand and he was giving me sort of a torturous foot massage, but he kept bending one toe back and he essentially diagnosed every health condition that came over the next 40 years. Wow! I mean, it was amazing. Of course, I didn't know it then, but in retrospect. So I met him there. And then he fell off the grid. He Mm -hmm. disappeared for about 10 years. And he was a man of extremes, as many herbalists are. And he cleaned himself up. He got sober. And he he did really dance with his demons Mm -hmm. a lot, as many brilliant people do. And so he disappeared and about 10 years later, Matt Wood was teaching an intensive with me over a year. And he said, boy, I'd really like to have William LaSacier's facial diagnosis chart, which should be in everyone's bathroom. And I said, I think I have his phone number from 10 years before. So I pulled, you know, always date your notebooks. So I pulled that notebook out, found the phone number, Picked up the phone and called him, and he answered the phone. It was like talking to God, you know? <laughs> And I said, "Oh my God!" It, I, I I I was like a schoolgirl, you know. <laughs> and I said, "Oh, I'd love to have your chart for my classes." And he said, "Well, darling," he had a Virginia accent. "Well, darling, would you like me to teach at your school?" And I said, "Yes." And at that moment, knew I would organize a conference, have him come and teach, and give him every penny to bribe him to teach uh. more. <laughs> uh. And handed him $4,000 when he came to teach. He's like, you got to be kidding. The, all this? I said, yes, I want you to teach more. He said, okay. Uh. So I, he taught two more times, and then he died.
0: Oh really. Wow. that short of a time frame.
1: He had cirrhosis of the liver and hepatitis mm-hmm. C and he was he had years of alcoholism behind him. Mm-hmm. So that's how I knew him. And but the stories, for instance, the first year he was going to teach her a friend called up and said, "You're having William Lassier for the weekend at your house?" Mm-hmm. And you live alone. Mhm. I think you better have somebody else there. You know, he's a bit of a scamp. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Nothing ever happened. He was a perfect gentleman every minute he was here. But he did have a reputation that preceded him. And, you know, I have pictures of him in little shorts teaching. And he was drop-dead gorgeous. So, you know, it's a good thing I didn't know him then. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Marky, <laughs> but he he began teaching and traveling and studying herbs intently when he was 16 years old hmm. he grew up in lubbock texas and just <laughs> headed off across the country and went from one coast to the other he had an uh an herb shop in taos new mexico and he had a place in New York City and he went to South America and studied huna, the medicine, healing medicines of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And he just was absolutely brilliant. And he, he channeled through Pythagoras the triune system, which is the system of formulation where you have a builder, a tonic and an eliminator and the human in the middle, and you figure out which herbs do what and how to heal the person with this system. And it is used pretty much by most herbalists.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that was a big part. I hope I'm remembering this correctly, but of my studies with David Winston. That was yes, exactly. yeah exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There's a great picture of he and David. Yeah, mm-hmm. there are not a lot of photographs of William. I would love if anyone, as photographs, please send them to me in high digital files.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, thank you so much, Margie, for coming, for sharing this amazing recipe, and for, yes, all that you shared about William Lasasi as well, and I am truly bummed that I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in Mexico while you are here in my neck of the woods. So I'm oh, very well, about that. little
1: violin. Poor but for
0: everybody else I know, <laughs> but for everybody else who's here, mm. you definitely want to check out Margie in Spokane the 28th and 29th and, and British Columbia the 4th and 5th of November and Bastier in between. Yeah. <laughs> All One,
1: right. I hope I well,
0: see you. So lovely to connect with you, Margie. Thanks again for being on the show. Mm. Well, thanks for being here. Don't forget to head over to the show notes at herbswithrosaliepodcast.com to download your beautifully illustrated recipe card and get a transcript of the show. There you'll also be able to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is the best way to stay in touch with me. You can also visit Margie directly at earthsongherbals.com. If you'd like more herbal episodes to come your way, then one of the best ways to support this podcast is by subscribing on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. I deeply believe that this world needs more herbalists and plant-centered folks, and I'm so glad that you're here as part of this herbal community. Also, a big round of thanks to the people all over the world who make this podcast happen week to week. Nicole Paul is the project manager who oversees the whole operation from guest outreach to writing show notes to actually uploading each episode and so many other things I don't even know. She really holds this whole thing together. Francesca is our fabulous video and audio editor. She not only makes listening more pleasant, she also adds beauty to the YouTube videos with plant images and video overlays. Tatiana Rusikova is the botanical illustrator who creates gorgeous plant and recipe illustrations for us. I love them. I know that you do, too. Christy edits the recipe cards, and then Jenny creates them as well as the thumbnail images for YouTube. Michelle is the tech wizard behind the scenes, and Karen is our student services coordinator and customer support. For those of you who like to read along, Jennifer is who creates the transcripts each week. Xavier, my handsome French husband, is the cameraman and website IT guy. Thanks to Rising Appalachia for their beautiful song, Resilience. Find more of their music at risingappalachia.com. It takes an herbal village to make it all happen, including you. One of the best ways to retain and fully understand something you've just learned is to share it in your own words. With that in mind, I invite you to share your takeaways with me and the entire Herbs with Rosalie community. You can leave comments on my YouTube channel, on the HerbsWithRosaliePodcast.com show notes page, or simply hit reply to my Wednesday email. I read every comment that comes in, and I'm excited to hear your herbal thoughts about burdock and this delicious and fancy recipe. Okay, you've lasted to the very end of the show, which means you get a gold star and this herbal tidbit. Well, burdock root is well known for its ability to support the liver and work as an overall alternative herb and it's a beloved herb for herbalists. And by the way, if you haven't already listened in, check out my interview with Salima about burdock, where she shares another lovely burdock recipe, liver love hot chocolate. So yes, we love burdock roots, but what about those leaves? Well, in an article published in June of 2023 in Advanced Biology, researchers announced they were exploring the possibility of the leaves being a component in the treatment of Alzheimer's disease. They're in the early stages of this research, and I look forward to seeing their findings. Here's to burdock.